Welcome to the Coin Podcast Network. Emotional, creative, and often comical. Welcome to another in-depth but out-of-the-ordinary look at what it's like to write. This is Writer's Block with Coin6 News anchor Jenny Hansen. All right, so we have Patricia Dunn with us on our writer's block this week. Her novel, Last Stop on the Sixth, just recently came out. Thank you so much for being here, coming all the way from Stamford, Connecticut, joining us. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. And I love Portland. It's one of my favorite cities. And so, yeah. and so I want to talk about your, your book, which is a set in the, the Bronx. But I also want to get um, give our listeners an idea of your background, because you're from the Bronx as well. So... Okay. Yeah. Tell, tell me uh, well, about your your upbringing. Yeah, so it's well, the novel's a little bit autobiographical, uh, but because it was twenty five years in the making, as I became, you know, got, I guess you could say, a better writer and taught writing for all the years. When I went back to the novel, took it out of that virtual drawer because a friend pushed me to. Um, you always need writer friends. Um, I was able to like lean into the fiction a lot more. But I am from the main character is an activist. Um, in Los Angeles, and then she goes back to the Bronx, and that is my actual story. I was living in LA for a long time, so but raised in Pelham Bay, which is where the name comes from. Last stop on the six is a train. Um, if people may know the taking of one to Pelham one, two, and three, well, that's the train. Um, so if you're from Pelham Bay, where I grew up, it's the first stop, but everybody else thinks of it as the last stop if they're coming from the city because it's, you know, at the end, there's nowhere else to go unless you get in a car or a train or whatever. Now, did you, were you always writing things growing up? Did you always have that in the back of your head that you wanted to well, write a novel someday? I will always thought I went, well, I started writing or seriously wanted to be a writer when I was nine. Mm-hmm. My brother, um, like the character in the book, um, was a child actor. And um, he was the actor in the family. Uh, my sister was very artistic. And I kind of said, well, I'm going to be the writer. But I think mostly because, um, you know, I had this little thing published in a, I don't know, third grade um, journal. Um, <laughs> and so that gave me like, oh, it fed that ego. Yeah. Um, I think mostly because my family, um, you know, working class and they, they don't and um, from the Bronx and they gave a lot of credit to writing in books, but we didn't have books around the house and they didn't write. So when I needed, and we had a loud family. So to be heard, it was really kind of hard. So I would just, anytime I wrote a note and slipped it under the door, they paid a lot of attention. So I saw the power in writing at a very young age. So yes, I think I've always kind of wanted to write, but mm-hmm. didn't get serious I don't know, middle grade, uh, junior high. I had a teacher who encouraged me that uh, actually got me into, you know, like support me to go to Barnard. But yeah, so yes, I guess I always did want to be a writer, but I always thought I wanted to write that book, but didn't actually start even thinking about a novel until I did my MFA in my thirties. So. Okay. And so, and so, yeah, it sounds like you went uh, an activism route and then a teaching route uh, in the meantime. Well, I was an activist mm-hmm. and then I uh, moved back in, you know, anti-war activist, like, and many lived in, uh, Built houses in Nicaragua with the Sandinistas at that time and then traveled around the Middle East. And anyway, I came when I came home, I mean, I guess I was still doing some activism, but then I actually took a job with a kind of, it was a for-profit company, but it was like the Ben and Jerry's model. And then I knew that I wanted to actually, I was doing journalism. 
for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and alternative journalism, mostly, I guess, alternative, like the LA Weekly, that things like that. And But I really wanted to um, study writing. So I finished my undergraduate degree. And then without telling anybody, I applied to my MFA program and got into one that was actually blocks away from where I was born. Uh, so then I got my MFA and then actually in my 30s. And uh, so I started writing a novel. Everyone wants to know why this story. Well, I really started writing short stories about the people from this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to take this class really badly with this particular teacher. And I was told, well, you can I mean, you can get in the class, but she's only having novelists. She's going to focus on that. And I'm like, oh, I'm writing a novel. And that's how I started to write a novel um, because I wanted to take the class. So, but the novel I took, it really grew from those characters from where I grew up. So it was based on, inspired by my family and the people in my neighborhood that I kind of, you know, put a lot of them together to kind of create who they are. But yeah. 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 And and so, so, so like you said, a lot of this inspired by your own life. I mean, it sounds like there's this overall theme of, you know, can you go home again? Uh, Do you want to go home again? (laughs) Well, yeah, the main character did well. She, she didn't, she only left. Right. So she has this actor brother and she never wanted to go to LA. But the night before he's supposed to, this is like a little bit of the backstory of the story, the night before he's supposed to have his big Hollywood like screening, uh, they, she and their best friend go to the park and she insists they go and they get drunk and there's an accident that happens that she blames herself for. So she runs away to LA. And uh, the stage father and everyone thinks that she's doing all this like acting kind of stuff out there and she's really an act, becomes an activist because she can't save her brother. So she, I guess, tries to save the world. Mm-hmm. And then Right at the beginning of the book, she decides, you know, she gets arrested, leaves jail, and then gets a note with a one-way ticket from the mom saying, you got to come home because uh, your brother's getting married. And she has not talked or faced her brother in the 10 years since she's been gone. So Hmm. she did not want to come home. And what she learns is you can go home, but you, (laughs) but the book really is, but you can't always hold on to the expectations that home is going to be the same place or that what you remember home to be. And all those secrets you didn't even know existed, you soon find out home is not maybe what you thought it was. Because we have this, like, even where I grew up, everybody was born in, uh, except my family, we the Americans, Italian-American, but everybody else was born in Italy. And I got to go to a lot of these places in Italy that, you know, people progress and change and time goes on. And everybody in my neighborhood, if they came in the 60s, in 1962, they all lived like it was still 1962 in Southern Italy. I mean, it was that bizarre like, contrast. Mm-hmm. So, um, but when you go home, things do change in ways that you'd be surprised. And I think that's what you kind of learn. So, yeah. How much of that was based on your own experience with moving back? back um, well, mo- again, yeah, again. <laughs> okay. So it was, yeah, again. So when I moved back to East for good, I mean, actually my time away when I lived in LA, I was, did not go out to LA to be an actor or anything like that. And it's funny. My brother, whose nickname was Hollywood. They called him wood for short. Everybody where I grew up, like the characters in the book had nicknames. Um, he never went out to LA until like had no inch, you know, he stopped being an actor when he, you know, at 18, 19, didn't want to do it anymore. I went there first and, um, didn't go home except twice in like 10 11 years. And then when I finally went home, I was just going home for what I thought was a visit, but the economy crashed in LA and um, I didn't have a job to go back to. And I was like, I guess I'm stuck. And then I wound up staying and I'm glad I did because I I get to rediscover my family and they got to rediscover me in a sense. And then, you know, 
a kid and all that stuff. But it's funny. And it's good, you know, sometimes if you have kids from your family and sometimes it can be a little bit hard. But um, I did go back with preconceived ideas and they also have preconceived ideas about who I was and what I was. And But when I left, they will still tell stories today. Now, I, you know, I left when I was 21. Right. So I was pretty much in my family's life until that age. But today, people will still in my family tell stories and they'll say, oh, they'll look at me and say, oh, but you were in L.A. And I'm like, no, I was eight years old. I was here. You know, <laughs> I was totally like wiped out of their completely their consciousness. Once I left, that's it. You left, you betrayed mm-hmm. us. It's very funny. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> what, like, ha- oh. Now, have they I mean, because a lot of this is inspired by your your own yeah. life. And so have they read last stop on the sick um, and if so well, what are their thoughts on okay, it so, uh my father who really was a big uh, inspiration um although the father character was one of those characters that when i went back to it that i really had to kind of um fictionalize a lot more like um there's certain things about this character that was not my father but uh he passed away during covid so mm. he would have read it in two seconds uh mm-hmm. everybody else in my family with my first book I don't even know if some of them read it. I know they didn't because there was certain things that anyway, the young, the younger versions, like my nieces and nephews, they read it, but um, my mother did read it. And um, I was really surprised that she uh, really, you know, my mom is based a lot on the character. She's probably the closest to the character in the book. She's the only one that when people meet her who've read the book said, wow, she's bigger in real life than she is in the cat. I mean, her personality is like, Mm -hmm. Whoa, right? So I had to tone her down, which is funny because usually you tell people, but she really liked it. The only thing that upset her was that um, the the woman in the book, you know, bigger than life, you know, um, because of her asthma medication, she had to, um, she put up, you know, she's bigger in size, right? But that fit Mm -hmm. the personality of this woman. And my mother did not like that. Other than that, other than that, um, yeah. and the weird thing is, when I started the book, my mother's always been underweight, like really, really underweight, you know, for health reasons and stuff. Yeah. And she did put on a lot of weight because of medication, but I had written that before that happened. So I said, hey, you know, <laughs> personality is just one of, you're a full size, wonderful woman, right? Right. So, um, so but besides how, that, how did that all play out? Did she send you a text? Oh, like, read the book didn't like how I look or like how did, yeah, how did she much read the book and she goes, uh, and my mother has gotten, as she's gotten older, a lot less critical, which is pretty um, amazing. It's quite funny. Uh, but she said, no, I, I loved it. Actually, I kept reading and, uh, and it didn't even put me to sleep. I'm like, Oh, that's oh, good. Um, yeah, high that praise. Was fun. A high <laughs> praise. Didn't put me to sleep. Um, and I said, well, any problems? Two things. Like I mentioned, she's like, well, I didn't appreciate, and there was a million other things that, that she was going to mention, and what, that was one thing. You, why did, why couldn't you make me skinny, right? You know, I was skinny like uh, until I was in my forties, and I said, okay, it's not about being skinny; it's about being a bigger than life person, you know. Mm-hmm. And then she said, and why did you name the main character Angela? Now, I the name char- the character had another name, but my first book that got published, I used that name for that character, so I had to come up with Angela. Her sister, my aunt, is named Angela. I wasn't even thinking of my aunt. The character's nothing like my aunt. Oh. Offended, but I named the character after her sister, who now, they're, they're very close, but yeah. now, but at the time that she read the book, they were they were in some fight and they hadn't talked for two weeks. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, maybe even longer. And for them, it's all very Italian sounding, too. Yeah, it's funny. It's so very Italian. And then I had this friend who's from New Orleans call me up and say, Oh my God, loved it. 
I'm married into both these families, right? I'm married twice. And I said, I didn't know you married into a Italian family. He goes, no, they're not Italian, they're Creole. But it's the same thing, oh. you know, functional, crazy loud, you know? And I was like, yeah, that's, yeah. So there's, yeah, I think all families have their dysfunctional. We, we, right. Makes family. It's just the different ways that they comes out, right? So, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so now your, your first novel, did you, was that based oh, anything on, oh, also, yeah, on talking. experiences from your life? Yeah. It's, this was inspired by my daughter. Um, uh-huh. So rebels by accident, it was a, my, as a YA, uh, I didn't intend it to be, but the voice came out and I was working on that while I put, you know, I was taking a break from the books that came out last stop. Um, my, it's basically about a young woman who's, um, She's 16 and she's Muslim American and um, Egyptian American, Muslim background, parents very strict. She grew up in suburbia when uh, my kid was and she's uh, has to go back to, she gets in trouble at a party and her parents send her to Egypt to spend time with her grandmother and the revolution takes place. So um, on my own life, I wrote this about this character who's uh doesn't want to be like considered Egyptian, doesn't want, she wants to be American. And then she goes back and figures out really like where her culture and what she's from, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so my daughter was very, very strong about who she was and her identity. And, you know, um, she would say, I'm, all, I'm Muslim culturally. And, you know, and but there were all these people, a lot of young people in her school at the time, there was an incident that happened. Uh, I can't remember what happened at the time in the Middle East. Um, it was before the revolution, but another kid hit my daughter over the head on the bus and said, go mm-hmm. back to where you came from. Mm-hmm. And she said, uh, where did I come from? All right. Yeah. So this is after 9-11, um, but several years after, but she said, where did I come from? Mount Kisco, which is a small town where we're from. Mm-hmm. And so you know, my daughter, who, who is very secure, went to the principal. And anyway, so I started, re- so we started finding out, they asked me if I do some educational stuff. And I said, sure. And then we realized there were a lot of kids that were Muslim American, but they were not saying it because they were afraid of how they were going to be treated. And mm-hmm. um, as we know what happened in this country later on, it actually got even worse, but it existed a lot. I mean, when I came back, I was living in Jordan when 9-11 happened. And when I came back, my daughter, you know, it was the first time I was ever like, ran in a supermarket. She was two at the time. And it was the first time that I ever hesitated before I yelled out her name because it was, you know, it's a Muslim name. And I was like, you know, I stopped myself because of, you know, people who were of that background. Were mm-hmm. um, so it was inspired, for, you know, by my daughter and that story, but of all these people who just, these kids who really can't embrace their identity, um, and and it's not always because, you know, people are being, you know, kicked on or attacked, but this is the case for many Muslims in this country, but also because like a lot of my friends who are immigrants, a lot of their parents didn't even want them to learn um, English, right? I mean, I mean, um, their their native language, right? They wanted mm-hmm. them to speak English because they wanted them to really belong when mm-hmm. they felt like they couldn't, right? So this was really about this person who goes to visit this grandmother who she's only heard about as being like the Darth, Darth Vader, you know, like really strict. You think we're strict. Her parents will say, father will say, my mother, like, you know, chained me to my desk so I'd study, which of course didn't happen. But she meets this grandmother and learns all this stuff about her history. Her grandmother is like this feminist and, and she, you know, and then the revolution that took place takes place and she gets caught up in that. So, mm. um, 
that's what that first book is about. That's why so, so that also has a, a big uh, event backdrop happening with the revolution. Then there's yeah. this book, Last Tap on the Six, where the Gulf War is happening. Um, so is that kind of a, with your writing, do you like there to be kind of this overarching, like something? Um, I, uh, well, I, you know, it's funny cause I don't know if I necessarily like it. It's like, I have no choice, but, yeah. um, it's because it's the world I live in. I know, but what I wind up doing and people like, um, you know, who, my readers and my writers, who, you know, who are great, or even my, my first husband, my second husband, people, I joke around, I didn't marry for money. I married for editing skills. Right. Um, <laughs> So they're really good readers, but anytime I'm writing about anything that's political, like I will write pages and pages, and then it always has to be cut down to like a sentence or a paragraph. Um, but the background of my stories um, always take place in world events that I find important, and then it's about really what happens to the people involved. So um, yeah, well, there's always there's always something going on in the world, as we know. So yeah, 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 yeah makes sense. It's usually, I don't start, I start with like a voice usually, and then it grows mm-hmm. into everything else. Um, so now are you still teaching? Are you still working for Sarah Lawrence? So I um, was the senior director of the Writing Institute, and then I uh, retired last November. And then oh, wow. I love to teach. So I'm now teaching at the Westport Writers Workshop. So it's a similar group of, uh, you know, adult learners. So I teach your, my students are amazing. I mean, these are people who are, a lot of them are lawyers or doctors. I get a lot of therapists that are writing novels um, mm-hmm. and so who have these books they want to write. So I work with people and I help them write their books. And yeah, so I still teach. And um, and now um, I just finished another book, which my agent has got out in the world. Um, oh, so I was just going to ask you. So yeah. can you give a hint about what that that one is about? Uh, and it's... It, the funny thing is I'm going to tell you what it's about. And it is also got some inspiration to my real life in a weird yeah. way. But it's about a father-daughter relationship at the heart. But the main, the father is a serial killer. So, um, oh, <laughs> hopefully uh, that part's not from your real life. <laughs> uh, well, if it was, I couldn't say. No, uh, no. Uh, he's fine. Uh, except the son of Sam, uh, which is why I was always obsessed with serial killers. He killed uh, my friend's cousin around the block when I was 12. Um, oh, my so, gosh. And then he turned out to be my aunt's post person. And my husband, he was a little kid. And that he, it was my husband's aunt who gave him the puppy that, you know, although the dog really has nothing to do with his whole story later on, you know, people like to think, but he couldn't keep the dog. You know, so we, uh, there's all these things that got me very obsessed with serial killers. In yeah. My life. But the father's character, what I was really about is how... Um, He's got a different, he's also got this history of, there's an acting element and then he's the, an exterminator um, as well. And, and it's told from two points of views. Uh, and so but it's like, so it's a psychological thriller yeah, um, with some humor because everything I write actually, when I tell you people about the story, it sounds like, Wow, that's so sad. But I write with a lot of humor. Um, so there's a lot of humor in it, even though you wouldn't think so. So, yes. Yeah, yeah. But right now, the working t- title is How I Killed Your Mother. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> and so, when might, when might we uh, see that? Will that be another year? Hopefully. Or so? Yeah, we'll hope yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, Patricia Dunn, it was so great talking to you today. Oh, great. Talking very to you. fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I love Thank all these you. stories. You me rambling. So um, I do that well. So, oh, that, that's probably makes you a good writer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nightmare to edit. But anyway, well, thank you. It was great being on your show. Yeah. Thank you. 
The Coin Podcast Network is your home for on-demand coverage of local news, sports, weather, and entertainment you won't find anywhere else. You can always find us on coin.com slash podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.